Hi there. Welcome to the Jewelry Navigator podcast, an on-the-go source of original and unique jewelry with stories of the designers who create it. My name is Brenna Pakes. I'm a graduate gemologist with a degree in geology. I've worked in the retail sector for over 15 years. After completing my graduate gemology diploma and working in the industry for a little while, I took an intermittent career break and worked for a major airline. That's why I combine the theme of aviation and the concept of navigating shoppers to choices of unique jewelry, as well as understanding gem selection and jewelry construction, as well as metal choices. I do a coordinating blog post for every podcast showing photos of the jewelry that we're talking about, as well as links to the jewelers and more information about them. So I hope you enjoy the episodes and feel free to subscribe for your Jewelry Navigator Passport, a way to stay up to date with the current episodes and upcoming features. Thanks so much for joining us and enjoy the episode. Jewelry is a powerful touchstone and conduit by which we define ourselves within our life stories, families, and communities. Acknowledging this concept with symbolism and icons are reminders that we're connected to a higher power that guides us in how we choose to live our best lives. This week, my guest on Jewelry Navigator podcast is Serafima McLean of Gallery Byzantium, a small jewelry design and manufacturing business in Ipswich, Massachusetts, dedicated to conserving and sharing Byzantine aesthetic in both religious-themed and secular jewelry. As an art history major, Serafima was a natural fit to reestablish the jewelry design company her father had created. An Orthodox priest, her father established Gallery Byzantium to honor the rich history and aesthetic of Byzantium art in jewelry to celebrate his faith. As we celebrate our faith through the year, and especially during the Christmas holiday, I felt that sharing the story and jewelry of Gallery Byzantium would be perfect timing for this week's podcast as we kick off December. Thanks so much for joining me today, and I hope you enjoy the episode as much as I enjoyed visiting with Serafima. I did get a chance to meet with her in person, and I'm so glad that I did. She was one of the exhibitors at the Finery Row event that I had attended in September in Washington, D.C. You can find Serafima's Jewelry and Gallery Byzantium on gallerybyzantium.com. Thanks so much for joining me today. I know you have a choice in podcasts and so appreciate you tuning in and listening. Enjoy the episode and welcome aboard. Well, let's get started. And um, I think we kind of got our wheels turning a little bit so that we can make a good conversation flow. But I want this to be highlighting you and the okay. story of, of Gallery Byzantium. So Unfortunately, I wasn't recording earlier when you kind of gave me the the summary of your family history. So, let's let's start with that, um, Serafima. Tell us how Gallery Byzantium started, and a little bit about your background. So, Gallery Byzantium is truly a family-owned and established business. My father, who's a Russian Orthodox priest, he had established the business back in '91 when he was sort of searching and looking for 
symbolic pieces that he could wear and, you know, friends and family, parishioners could wear. And he was struggling finding pieces that were made authentic to, you know, ancient tradition. And so because he is sort of, I describe him as a Renaissance man or, you know, a true entrepreneur, he just sort of went full blast and established Gallery Byzantium. And then um, he was, you know, he had lots of different things going on. And so after several years, he ended up closing the business. And when I was sort of figuring out what I was trying to do after working in a gallery for several years and realizing that that really wasn't the path that I wanted to take, he had, you know, really ignited the idea that um, you know, my soon-to-be husband who had gone to art school that this could be a really good fit for us. And so in 2001, my husband and I, we reestablished the Gallery Byzantium, and um, we've been doing it ever since. Well, I love your jewelry because it does have that rich, traditional style to it. Looking at it, it looks like it could be someone's grandmother's, but it's so well-made that it will last for another grandmother's lifetime. And (laughs) I've been following you for a couple of years because your jewelry did catch my attention. It's so, it's just so rich and beautiful and traditional. And then you and I had a wonderful opportunity to meet a few months ago here in Washington, D.C. at Finery Row. So um, I got to actually see and touch your jewelry in person, and it's it's even more exquisite and beautiful. Thank and, you. I appreciate yes, that. Yes, in person. So um, share with us a little bit about do you, do you modify um, classical crosses, or do you, do you come up with your own designs? So we sort of, so that's, you know, there's like, that's like a multifaceted answer. Okay. So many of our designs are, you know, I hate using the word replica, but many of them are, you know, they're truly inspired by these ancient pieces that are, you know, some of them are in museum collections. Some of them are just sort of lost out there in, you know, history, I suppose. Um, and so, and many of them are actually, when you come across these ancient designs, their original beauty is because of time passing has, you know, decayed or become, you know, something else, but it's still, you can see what was there. Mm -hmm. So, you know, oftentimes we, we are sometimes having to sort of recreate what, what is left there to create this beautiful cross. That's, you know, such a historical piece. And some of the pieces are, you know, replicas of these original ancient designs. But then we also have many things that are inspired and born out of, you know, these ancient traditions. And we are working primarily in the Byzantine Byzantine aesthetic. Um, Hence, our name is Gallery Byzantium. So because our pieces and the business was born out of, you know, religious jewelry, specifically Christian jewelry, um, it made sense to sort of be looking at the Byzantine aesthetic. Um, The Byzantine Empire was a Christian empire. It existed for over a thousand years, and I think it's actually one of the most successful and long-lasting empires that ever was. 
and the the jewelry that that came out of that time period it it, it just was a I mean they were they were geniuses really they they were just creating beautiful um, pieces that were so deeply symbolic whether it was um, symbolic where it was sort of ver- presented itself very easily to you that it was symbolic or just even by using colors and geometric shapes that sort of develop into into meaning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like I'm on your Instagram feed right now and I, I see exactly what you mean. It's just that very, um, some of it's exotic looking because it is, has that Byzantine um, right that Byzantine style to it but very traditional and classical like the um, the Jerusalem cross yep so the Jerusalem cross is a piece that um, so the Jerusalem cross has had so many renditions that have been done through the years and it came into play in I think it's like 1095 maybe. Okay. It's in the 1000s, and it was used as an emblem for the Crusaders. Okay. And through the years, people have interpreted their, you know, their idea of what the Jerusalem cross should look like, and it is a, a cross that's incredibly popular. People really love the Jerusalem cross. Um, and when we went about doing our Jerusalem cross, we really – we obviously wanted to capture what its meaning is um, and what its original intent was, but we wanted to make sure that it had a Byzantine look to it. Mm-hmm. And so you'll note, like ours has um, like the arms sort of flare out and sort of go into like these thin little points at the end. Yeah. And that's very Byzantine in its design. And then the other thing that we did for that design to sort of stay true to our Byzantine aesthetic was the beading or granulation that you would see is really incorporated into that piece. We have it around the bezel, you know, we have it on the points and then in each, um, in each arm there are beads and the same with the crosslets that are in between the arms. Those those have the, the granulation there as well. They do. Yeah, when you speak of symbolism, I'm looking I'm looking at the Byzantine cross that you posted, um, let's see, a few days ago. It's the gold one with the sapphire in the middle. And you know, you could come up with all kinds of symbolism, one of which the granulation on the cross the arms of the cross being three dots, kind of representative of the Holy Trinity. And mm-hmm. um what what's representative of the four smaller crosses in between the arms? So the crosslets are said to represent, um, I think it's like the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. Let's see here. Um, yeah, so the whole premise behind that is that um, the, the four surrounding smaller crosses represent um, the four evangelists, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and the spread of Christianity from its origins in the Holy Land, you know, to the four corners of the earth. Okay. Okay. Nice. One reason <laughs> I want... No, that's beautiful, because it... Um, there's so many wonderful occasions, whether they're seasonal gift occasions or really important times in our lives where 
Christian or religious jewelry lends itself to wonderful gifts. And one reason I wanted to talk to you quickly towards the end of the year is that we're approaching holiday gift season. So yes. with, you know, the season of Christmas being a Christian-based uh, holiday, it's um, perfect timing to introduce your jewelry to my listeners and um, to anybody listening who might own a boutique or a store and is interested in carrying or looking at really unique, beautifully made jewelry. So um, tell us a little bit about your process. And we were talking earlier before we started the recording about um, you know, who you are and how small you are, but you're, you're really a powerful force with as small of an operation as you are. So share with us a little bit about that part of your story. Because we're trying to, trying to preserve these ancient traditions that were born out of the Byzantine Empire, we feel, we feel like we really have a, a, a grasp and a sense of, of what it is that we're you know, trying to preserve in that, um, that aesthetic and sort of just symbolism of, of the period. And so we do everything, we literally, we, we do everything in-house. You know, my background is art history. Um, I grew up in a family where art history and, you know, religion are, you know, were a big formation of who I am. Um, so I just feel that, you know, through, through that sense of design that I'm able to bring to the table, we're, we're researching through, you know, history books and, and, and what have you, looking for designs that we can, you know, preserve and, and here they are, they are these ancient pieces, but we really want to preserve them and recreate them so that they are modern and future heirlooms for people to be able to wear. So we do everything in-house from the start where we're coming up with design concept, with, you know, doing the design. We do all of our own casting. We do all of our own finishing, sanding, stone setting. You know, we do some of the enameling. Um, so we we do all of our own photography and graphic design. I love that you just said that you actually research and having the background that you have in art history, you can appreciate that so much more, but you also appreciate staying authentic to the style and authentic to the original design, but bringing it up so that right. it's, you know, it's a relevant piece that can still be worn you know, today and in the future, but still reflect back and with an authentic connection to a past story. Probably because of my art history background and, and design sense, I am someone who I love jewelry. And so we really have tried these past few years to stay true to the Byzantine aesthetic, but also create jewelry that's, um, that's non-religious as well. So we've certainly, you know, tried to work on, I don't want to say collections. I mean, they are collections, but they're not really technically have enough pieces in them to, you know, be a collection in the true sense of the word. But we are trying to, you know, also create jewelry as well that would be appealing to a, a broader market and even to our already established customer and also exposing them to the beauty of that Byzantine aesthetic, but in yes. a okay. non-religious way as well. So. 
one of your one of your pieces and designs or one of the design uh, aspects that you incorporate into and I'm not sure I believe it's a collection but it's incorporated into your gallery Byzantium logo is the peacock and when yeah. I saw that it's so intricate and lacy you have to look closely to even decipher that there's a bird there right but um, share with us the story that you shared with me when I met you in D.C. about the peacock and why you chose that for your business logo. I love that. That is one of our more unique and I think pretty symbolic pieces. Um, mm-hmm. So peacocks have been used, I, I think, I mean, in, in my research, I've seen that they have been used since, you know, as far back as you, you can can find they've been used both in Christian and non-Christian art for centuries and um, they have this belief that um, they symbolize Im- immortality and sort of e- and eternal life um, the ancient people of all you know all ancients believed that the peacock was something that was incapable of decay and rot and mm-hmm. so it did it it has been through through time, and you'll see it in art, it has just become a symbol that has used to sort to represent immortality and in this sense of eternal life. And in reading too, like in, in history and that kind of thing, royals throughout you know t- throughout the centuries have have kept peacocks as their pets in their in their gardens, um, and so they just sort of have this um, you know they just sort of they kind of have like this untouchable, uh, yeah, you know, perception to them. Um, mm-hmm. It's also thought that, you know, that obviously, you know, it's thought that they guarded the gates of paradise. So I guess this whole fascination with the peacock sort of is born out of all of this, you know, tradition and um, symbolism that has, you know, gathered throughout the centuries. So it just felt, um, it just felt kind of appropriate and necessary that we have peacocks be part of the logo for Gallery Byzantium um, because, you know, the, the, the aesthetic that we're trying to preserve, you know, it, it was this time period that was just, it was so opulent and, and just filled with, you know, so much royalty. And, um, you know, and here we are, we are trying to preserve something for generations to come. So the peacock sort of, you know, made sense to be part of to be part of our logo. I love that. And I personally do I know peacocks can be kind of a violent animal, but they are so beautiful when they're in full of <laughs> They are. <laughs> <laughs> I I think, you know, you can kind of um expand on that symbolism as well. They can they can be. They and I do know that they make a lot of noise. So, oh, yes, they do. Yeah. But they're so, they're so majestic, and what they an in, what an interesting history, and that you chose it as your as your um, I don't know spirit animal for Gallery Byzantium <laughs> as the keeper of the gates of paradise behind you know your your jewelry designs. Yeah. And, and the other, so in terms of using Christian art, I mean, one of the earliest examples of a peacock shown in 
Christian art was, I think it, it dates back to around, I think it was a third century church or, or building that they had shown peacocks in the frescoes. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Huh. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. So what else, what other designs do you design outside of like the secular? Yeah, secular or non-religious. Yeah, secular pieces. Mm-hmm. I guess. Well, another piece that um, is more, I mean, so we came out with this piece a couple of years ago and it really sort of launched the site, you know, further launch. We had already started doing it with, you know, some of our earrings and that kind of thing. But this idea of trying to create beautiful symbolic jewelry that was accessible to, to everyone. So the Celestial Fire Pendant, um, that's our, it's one of our pieces from our Imperial Collection. We call it the Imperial Collection because we do these pieces in 18 karat gold and, you know, they're enameled and often set with diamonds or other gemstones. Mm-hmm. And the Celestial Fire Pendant, so the inspiration for that piece came out of um, it, it's um, the Scrogani Chapel in Padua, Italy, which is a, a 14th century church. It's, it was a church that was built in, I think, like the very beginning of the 1300s. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always, I, I had the good fortune of being able to have my junior year abroad um, I did my junior year abroad in England for the year, but Mm -hmm. I also traveled um, extensively while I was over there. I did two different trips on the Eurorail. So I I had a six-week travel stint and then a four-week travel stint at another time. So I was able to really travel when I was over there, and I did go to the, the Scriveni Chapel, and it always, I mean, who knew that, this chapel that just had stuck in my mind, I think it was 1997, that it would just still be such a inspiration and something that just really, I always have thought about how beautiful and just the experience that I had visiting that chapel, that almost 20 years later, we would sort of come up with this piece that sort of tried to capture the awe and the beauty of you know, the symbolism of that, of that ceiling in that church. Right, so. right. And I got to see that in, um, when you were in D.C., and that's exactly what I thought of. It's a beautiful royal blue background, like a night sky with, yep. are they um, six-point stars or eight-point stars? So they're actually eight-point stars. That okay, are um, with a little diamond in the middle, and then... A diamond accent at the at the compass the positions, the north, east, south, and west positions, and a really pretty veil that's accented with a diamond. It's a stunning piece, um, just beautiful. And it's exactly what made me. It, that's exactly what I imagined. Are the um, you know the ceilings painted in those beautiful churches? And so along with that pendant, you know we've sort of come up so one of the things um, with sort of the inspiration of of the crosses that have come out of the Byzantine Empire just so the architecture that was built during that time it it, it I mean they're just they're they're like phenoms they're, they're I mean you have Hagia Sophia that was you know I think that was in the 
um, fourth century, maybe it was started. Mm-hmm. But just the, the geometric design that were used in Byzantine art and architecture are just so, you know, incredible and just unusual. And so I do have sort of this obsession with like architecture of that time period and just looking at the, you know, the frescoes and the, and the patterns that were established in these mostly churches, but in other, you know, structures as well. And so I have tried to sort of capture that to create pieces being born mm-hmm. out of that architectural mm-hmm. inspiration from the time period. Oh, wow. So there's other pieces, like we have this divine patterns piece that we just launched, and then the, um, the eternity pendant, they're inspired from another building. It's called Hosios Lucas, which is a 11th century Byzantine church in Greece. And then um, the Byzantine rose collection, which is these little rosettes that are alternating and we've done that sort of as a necklace and earrings. That too, that pat, that inspiration for those rosettes comes out of um, most specifically me sort of studying this this church, Hosios Lucas. But um, but they are present in those little rosettes were used in all sorts of architecture throughout the centuries. Mm-hmm. So I definitely I am drawn to architectural. Um, inspiration as well mm-hmm. they're really interesting because they do their time markers of what was going on during the time so um from architecture to fashion to paintings it, it all ties together so in your case you bring you know from the past into today's world and into the future an appreciation for those aspects of design that were ancient but we can still enjoy them today correct yes yeah, absolutely really nice. <laughs> i think one question i wanted to touch on especially since it's the gift giving season i feel like men get left out of the picture a lot Thank you. <laughs> yes, and um, you have quite a few beautiful pieces that would make wonderful gifts for men, not just as far as, you know, crosses and pendants, but I think I saw you make cufflinks as well. We do. So it's so funny that you bring up, you know, the gift, you know, shopping for men. We even find it challenging to create, you know, design pieces and come up with pieces that would be suitable for men. It's Definitely challenging. Um, but we do have a small collection of cufflinks and lapel pins that oh, nice. are really beautiful and um, that do make wonderful gifts for any time of the year for men. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the cufflink sets that's, you know, that we sell a lot of is it's our double-headed eagle, which is the imperial crest of the Byzantine Empire and also was later used as a coat of arms in Russia. And sort of the eagle, anyway, is a very royal and regal symbol that has been, you know, used across the centuries, and it's a very timeless um, motif, and it, and it lends itself very well to the cufflinks that we do. We also offer it as a lapel pin. Mm-hmm. And then some of the, I mean, so many pieces that we do, can be suitable for a man or a woman, but I do see that the men do prefer 
um, more simple crosses in terms of the crosses that we see sell more to men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then one of the medallions, it's one of the religious medallions that sells really well for um, men. It's called the Christ the King medallion. And it's a double-sided medallion where it has an image of Christ on one side where that image came out of a 7th century coin. Mm-hmm. And then on the other side, the image on the other side is um, a Justinian cross that has letters in the corners. And that design came out of a 6th century liturgical plate. And the letters are um, the first letters for the Greek words. So it's I-C-X-E-N-I-K-A. And those letters um, symbolize, you know, proclaiming Jesus Christ conquer. So in terms of something that's sort of suitable for the believer at Christmas time, that, that medallion would be an, a nice choice. And then some of our simple crosses that we sell a lot of is we have the St. George cross, which is just a very simple sort of equidistant forearmed cross that many um, people off, you know, are purchasing for boys or men. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in terms of back to the cufflinks, we have this other design, which I, so it's more of a, a replica. It's the Canterbury cross. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the Canterbury cross cufflinks, because they're so, um, because it's such a small design and sort of the arms are equidistant and it's so geometric and it's, it in shape and the in the design act accents, it actually sort of lends itself to you know just being a beautiful cufflink for the sake of being a cufflink. So all of your jewelry is available in sterling silver, fourteen and eighteen carat. Is that right? Yes, it is. And then with many of our sort of you know the non-religious jewelry, many of our earrings and like that Byzantine Rose collection and our Gifts of Glory collection. Um, sometimes people don't want to invest in um, 14 karat, 18 karat prices for, for jewelry that they see as more, you know, true sort of accessories to their outfits. We, we offer Vermeil as well. So Vermeil is um, sterling silver with 18 karat it actually can be 14 karat, but we do 18 karat plate our sterling silver for our Vermeil pieces. Oh, that's nice. Do you offer that in most of your gold options? We only offer it for um, the jewelry, like traditional jewelry. We don't do but maybe one or two crosses okay. because of how of their weight. Um, we We try not to do that with crosses because with crosses, people tend to be wearing them all the time, you know, mm-hmm. oftentimes not taking them off. And so Ver- Vermeil does wear well, but it's not going to wear well on a wearing it all the time and never taking it off. Right, so. and it's, it's not going to be something that's going to last as long as something that would be 14 or 18 karat. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. yeah. But that's really appreciated that you offer that option so that if someone isn't in a position to to order it just yet in solid gold, they do have that option for some of the pieces. So that's really nice. Right. Yeah. And the designs are just as beautiful in sterling silver as they are in gold. So They um, are. I mean, and we, I mean, obviously price comes into play when people are making purchases. So we do 
sell a tremendous amount of sterling silver, but you know people they people love gold and they love to be you know when they're when they're looking for um, such a special gift you know they are looking to purchase gold and it's right. nice that I still think gold is you know it's it's had a it's the color of gold you know it's become trendy again but I I haven't seen that I see it still being really popular you know yes. gold yes. which I appreciate I love gold. <laughs> I do too. I was looking on your website and you offer a trade-in policy or a trade-in people can use their scrap gold to put towards making a piece of their own. Is that right? Yes. We, we, yes. That we, I mean, we started sort of doing that um, just, that was years ago when gold had kind of gone to a, a higher price, you know, gold became expensive. Right. And so, um, you know, we were just offering to customers that, you know, if you have old broken gold chains or, you know, old jewelry that you don't wear anymore, you know, send it to us and we'll assay, you know, price it out for you and we'll, you can, we'll certainly pay you for it or you can use it as credit towards the purchase in the, in the store or have something created, you know, a pe- you know, what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. And we have the ability to do that because, you know, we are small business who's sort of doing everything in house. <laughs> yes, yeah, we talked about that before the recording. Sarah Fema and her small staff of um, her husband, and you said two other employees. Yeah, so there's a total of four of us, but two yeah. of them are my husband and myself. <laughs> yes, yeah. So like so many of the designers that I talk with and visit with, um, you're wearing all the hats. And um, that's okay because that way you control you control the quality, you control the way everything looks. Absolutely. Your photography to the quality of materials that you use and how ultimately everything everything turns out. So is there anything else you'd like to share with us before we close out here? I don't think so. I feel like we covered a lot. <laughs> yes, we have. And just, I mean, I'm just so thankful to have, you know, interest in what it is that we're doing. Um, like I said, sometimes you get lost in your little bubble. You know, there's four of us. And, you know, I just, I, I am, I'm so thankful that, there's an appreciation out there and for what it is that we are trying to do and that we are doing. And I mean, I love to be able to, I love to be able to do what we are doing. I, I, it's, it's really funny. This is a funny story and I don't know if I've shared this with you before, but um, years ago, so my daughter's 12 now, but she must've been seven or eight and we were having family dinner. We, so I'm fortunate to live in the same town as my as my parents. We live mm-hmm. a mile across town, and we have Sunday dinner together. And my sister was there, and you know, she's she lives she's single, and she has like this fun. This, so this was years ago. She you know the fun talking about all the fun things that she was doing and hobbies that she was pursuing at the time. And I was like, wow, I wish I I'm like I really wish I could pursue you know, a hobby or focus on something that I really love to do. And my my daughter at the time, like I said, she was seven, she she looked over at me and she's like, 
you get to do what you want to do every day. I was like, huh. She's like, you, you get to design jewelry and sell jewelry. And it was just really, it was such an innocent, you know, comment, but it, it is something that, oh gosh, it, it probably pops, it pops into my head every day. It's such a great reminder. I am, I am truly blessed and fortunate to be able to, to have a family and to have this, to have this career, this job that, you know, that we get to do this. What a wonderful reminder from your it's daughter. It's such a good reminder today because it is hard. I mean, so here we are. We've been doing this for almost 20 years, and sometimes I'm like, gosh, it's not fun anymore, right? Like you're trying to – it's so hard to be creative and to create and to keep that creative process going when you're also the business person and you're, you're doing sales and you're, you know, trying to do brand – you know, promote yourself and brand awareness and this, that, and the other – and so you can get bogged down by all of that. And so I guess I just I'm so thankful that my daughter, you know, had that epiphany and she she was able to verbalize it and share it with me. And I do I I it's such a good reminder when, when I feel challenged by, you know, the business or the task at hand and you know, I'm I'm so thankful that you know, she she reminded me. <laughs> <laughs> That's uh, that is a wonderful reminder. But you know, there there you know there is the business side. But most of the time, when you stand back and you just look at your jewelry and realize that you have a really meaningful connection from the past with the art history and the history yeah. of you know Christianity and and the history and the story of of um, humanity and you're able to bring that into everybody's you know realm of possibility with jewelry it is so special and jewelry like the thing about jewelry is like it is such a jewelry is a really powerful it's, it's really powerful it is such a um, it can be such a um, what's the word? It, like indicator just like it's to, to the culture, you know, to our culture. Right. And so I guess, I guess that is, you know, that is what we're trying to do. We're, tr- it is, you know, we're trying to preserve this position in culture that jewelry has had. And, um, you know, I'm, and we are, we're committed to preserving these ancient, ancient traditions that, you know, came forth in jewelry out of the, you know, Byzantine aesthetic and, and like, and, so we are we are trying to preserve this this tradition of jewelry um, and just you know have it going forth you know trying yes. to re- really try to create these modern and future heirlooms out of these you know ancient pieces. Yes. Well, I'm so happy I had a chance to connect with you again and share your story on Jewelry Navigator. I'm so appreciative that um, you know that you have recognized, you know, what it is that we're trying to do and that you wanted to, to talk with us. It, it means a lot to us. Yes. To well, me. thank you for taking time out of a time that is going to get really busy here in a few weeks. I really appreciate it. And I'm um, really happy to be sharing this just in time for holiday shoppers. So um, what is, if someone wants a special order, do you have, do you have items in inventory, what's a, a good um, cutoff date for people to know about if they want to order something for Christmas? So we really, 
we can accommodate a short um, ship timeline just because we are able to do everything in-house. And some of the pieces that we know take a little bit longer of time, we've already started to, to, to create them and make sure that we at least have one that's ready to go. Okay. Um, but in terms of, um, we have, we, I don't, I'm not in my actual office at the moment, but we do have a, I think our cutoff is Christmas falls on, oh, isn't it a Wednesday this year? I think so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it is a little bit of a tricky, tricky date. Um, but I mean, people can feel comfortable shopping with us you know, up to that final Thursday or Friday, and even, you know, Monday, we encourage our customers to call us to see if we have it in stock or if we can do it, you know, saying, you know, get it done and get it out overnight. So, I mean, we, that's one of the things that we actually really, we, we pride ourselves on. We try to accommodate the last minute shopper, even though nice. we are creating and handcrafting pieces. We've, we've historically been able to do a really good job of doing oh, that. Good. Good. You can find Gallery Byzantium at gallerybyzantium.com and be sure to reach out and say hello and watch for upcoming posts. And thank you so much for being my guest today, Serafima. It's been a pleasure and I've admired your jewelry for quite some time and I'm just happy to be sharing your story. Well, thank you, Brenna. I really appreciate you giving us the opportunity to share what it is that Gallery Byzantium is trying to do. You're so welcome. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed listening to Serafima's story. And I love how she combined her education of art history, along with the combination of her husband's background in art history and art and manufacturing, jewelry manufacturing, to take on and continue on with Gallery Byzantium. If you're listening to this on Sunday, December 1st, she does have a Black Friday special going through tomorrow, Monday, at 15% off everything at Gallery Byzantium. Thanks so much for joining me today, and until next time, cross-check your sparkle. Bye-bye.